Welcome, everybody. Welcome online. Uh, we're going to go from Matthew chapter 6 because I want to talk about prayer. I'm actually working through um, Miles Munro's book on prayer. He's got a devotional um, that talks about prayer and actually vision and so on. He's combined them into a devotional. And I wanted to challenge myself this year around prayer and really developing a strong prayer life. Um, not that it's not good already, but I wanted to take it up another level because it's interesting. The disciples didn't ask Jesus a lot. You know, they asked him to explain parables. Um, a couple of the disciples' mum asked him if they could sit at Jesus' right hand when they got to heaven. But they didn't ask him, you know, they asked him when they couldn't cast out a demon why they couldn't do it. And he said, well, how's your prayer life? But the thing that they asked him to teach them, the only thing they asked him to teach them was how to pray. And if you think about why would they do that, well, Jesus often went off by himself to pray. You know, he'd go and do a few miracles here and there, but he'd go off and ask him, he'd go and pray. And they worked out that the key to Jesus' success and the key to the miracles that he did was very much his prayer life. That this was the key that unlocked that door. And so they asked Jesus, teach us to pray. So I want to talk out of Matthew chapter 6 and go through the Lord's Prayer because when <laughs> they asked him, this is what he said. I like the way he starts it in verse 8 of Matthew 6. He says, you know, your father knows what you need before you ask. Isn't that so cool? And it's easy to go, well, God knows. You know, it doesn't matter. God knows. So they don't say a thing. But we need to ask. Because he desires relationship above everything else. He desires us to be in communion with him more than anything else. Yeah? So he says, this is how you pray. Our Father in heaven. Now we can easily skip over that bit and go, yeah, no, we're talking to God. But we're actually talking to the Father. And Jesus really emphasizes this. He says, when you pray, pray to the Father. But then he goes on to say, hallowed be your name. You know, Psalms tells us that it's with thanksgiving and praise that we enter his courts. It says we enter his gates with thanksgiving and we enter his courts with praise. And this is where it's really important that we don't do that, I'm praying from down here up into heaven. But we actually step into heaven. He tells us to boldly approach the throne of grace. That we step into heaven and, and meet in the courts of heaven with the Father and to pray. Because it actually changes our perspective on how we pray and, and how we talk and how we see ourselves. If we're down here sort of trying to reach up to heaven and, you know, I hope God hears my prayer and, and you know, I'm getting desperate and da, da, da. We don't have a confidence that he hears us. 
we don't have the confidence that we've engaged with him and we've met with him. And, you know, if we're here talking and I have confidence that you can hear me. Yeah? Because you respond, right? I can see you looking at me, you know, you're not asleep on your chair or whatever. But I have confidence that you can hear me. But if I'm sitting here and, and you're four streets away and I'm talking, I don't have confidence you can hear me. Yeah? Does that make sense? If you were flying in a plane overhead, I would have no confidence at all that you could hear me. <coughs> it helps when you're in the same place with somebody to communicate with them. Does that make sense? It's interesting, I was doing um, an assessment for a HR section and doing some work around that, and, and a bit of research says that it's... It's interesting that HR managers actually have to teach people nowadays how to communicate face-to-face -face. because there's so much online work going on and people actually working remotely. It's like one in four people now work remotely, so they're actually not in an office, that they're at their home and they're connecting with people and through messaging and, and sometimes through Skype and so on. And the issue is actually that when they come into an office or a workplace, they struggle to communicate with other people. And they may be highly intelligent and highly skilled at what they do, but they really struggle to, to communicate and to talk face-to-face. -face. And they're having to teach people how to have a face-to-face -face conversation. And I wonder how much of that flows over into our relationship with God. That we don't feel confident talking with him. Because we're so into the tech... And tech's not bad, it works for us. But we've lost that art of communicating, of sitting down with God and actually going, hey, how are you doing? And we step in through thanksgiving. You start your prayer life with thanks. You know, I thank you, God, for who I am. I thank you for who you are. You thank him for the things he's given you life. Because when you start with thanks, you get a perspective from God's perspective rather than our perspective. And you start to, you know, you can think, oh, gee, I need this, oh, gee, I need that. And the need can overwhelm us. Areas where there's gaps in our lives can overwhelm us. But when you start to thank God for who he is, when you start to thank him for the things that he's blessed you with, you start to enter through his gates because it changes how you think and you go from a down here trying to reach up to God to actually stepping into heavenly places with him. It says that we enter his course with praise because the natural outflow of when you're thankful and you change your perspective, you start to praise God for who he is. That he is the God of blessing. He is the God of favour. He is the God of all creation. And you can come into the courts of God, into face-to-face -face meeting with God through thanksgiving and through praise. And it's from that place that we pray. And we try and skip this step sometime and, you know, and look, crisis situation, desperate situation, and God's not there going, I'm sorry, I'm not listening, you didn't thank me. That's not how God works. I'm talking about your regular daily time with God in prayer starts with changing our perspective on ourselves and honouring God for who he is.
Because honor is powerful. And I think honor is something that's really missing in society today. I have a sense that with this new revival coming through, the revival of love that God's bringing, that honor is a big part of that. Because honor is missing so much. That honor and that respect. So then he goes on and he says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How often do we pray, My kingdom come, my will, my way. This is where you pray for a church community. This is where you pray for your family. This is where you pray for your government. You pray into your workplace. That God's will be done in your family. God's will be done in your workplace. God's will be done in our church community. God's will be done in every area of your life. And you start to pray into that. And this is where tongues gets really helpful. Because sometimes you're going, what is God's will? His word tells us. But sometimes you just need that specific word in there. So like when I'm praying over, over you guys, I often pray in tongues. Because I don't know everything going on in your life. I don't know everything going on in life in, in family members and so on. We know a lot, but I don't know everything. And so praying in tongues is really powerful. God, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. You see, because as we release it, we're in the courts of heaven. And as we pray in the courts of heaven, before the Father, we start to release things in heaven and they become released on earth. So it's your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. We pray that over our government. We're told through the New Testament to pray for those who rule over us that we might live in peace. So we pray. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then he says, give us this day our daily bread. This is where we bring our petitions and our requests to God. See, prayer is not complex. It actually has a step in the relationship with God. It's coming in thanksgiving and praise. It's acknowledging his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. And then it's bringing our requests. Lord, I have need of this and need of that. Now this is where it gets real fun. Because you see, we often come, we bring our requests to God and we try to tie it in with the will of God and then we try and tell God how to do it. Yeah? Ever done that? Try to tell God how to do it. It's like, God, I need you to do this. I need it to happen. This. I need this to happen. I need that to happen. I need it to happen in this time. And it doesn't happen and we go, oh, God doesn't hear my prayers. Because that's not how prayer works. Prayer is coming to God and bringing your needs to God and trusting him to do it his way. Yeah? Trusting him to make a difference his way. Yeah, you might go, I've got this financial need, God, I need to just meet this need in there, and so I need to win lotto. Or that person over there has lots of money, so they need to give me some of it. Or I need this to happen or that to happen. And we get really specific about it. And, and God's going, no, that's not what I'm going to do. 
You see, when you pray and you start to speak out, the angels go to work and they start to fulfill his will his way. Yeah? Yeah, we had a couple of financial needs as a family and so I was praying, okay, God, I need this to happen, I need to do some breakthrough there. And he does amazing things. I got a pay rise through work this week, which is totally unexpected because I'm on contract. You don't get pay rises. But I got one. A new opportunity came through to do a bit of work on the side. That pays very well. And then this morning I received an envelope with some cash in it. Now see, I wouldn't have planned all those things. That's not the way I would have done it. I like the lotto idea. It sounds really easy. (laughs) If God wants to bless you through lotto, I'm good with that. If God wants to bless me through lotto, I'm good with that. Not a big advocate of lotto, by the way, just, you know. But, you know, we go, just let God be God, and we says to bring our needs to him, and then leave them in his hands and go, Lord, I'm trusting you with this. Yeah? You know, the amount of times I've heard people that, that needed a car and, and they're praying, God, I need this much money for a car. And he goes, no, you don't. You need a car. You don't need the money for a car. Amen. And he gets people to give them a car. Amen. And you see, if we try and limit what God does, then we limit the blessing and we actually restrict him and hold his hands. So it's about going, God, this is what I need. So that's the power of vision boards is you know what you're heading towards and you can actually pray into what's on your vision board. And yes, you can start to plan around that, but then God starts to work on the outside as well. And he starts to make a way and do things that you didn't expect. And he opens up doors and goes before you. Sometimes he's prepared things well in advance that you know nothing about. Because he knows what you're going to pray, like it says here, he knows what you need before you even ask. So he knows when you're going to ask because he's bigger than time and he puts things in place well before so that you know that blessing. You see, for me to get a pay rise, my boss had to leave the organisation. Someone else had to take over the organisation, had to take over my department, do some work in there, be working on some stuff to come to the point of going, okay, here's your pay rise so that I can get that this week. Yeah? Yeah? That's months of work that God did in advance. Because under my old boss, I would not have got it. I didn't even ask for it. Just someone else went in there and went, hmm, this isn't right, we need to fix this. Here's Peros. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. That's how God works. He knows what you need. So when you come and ask, ask for what you need, not how you need it. Yeah? Because he's the God who will move and shift and change and readjust to achieve what he needs to achieve in your life. You see, he wants you to succeed. He wants you to overcome. He wants you to prosper. He wants to bless you. He wants you to walk in health. But we start to limit what God can do because we say it has to be this way. It has to be that way. And God says, no, it doesn't. And until you take your hands off, I can't grab a hold of it. 
You see, when we start telling God how to do it, we're holding on to it. And he can't do what he needs to do. When we let go and bring our petitions to God and lay them before him and go, God, this is yours, then he can start to do it. He can start to move. He can start to bring breakthrough. Yeah? Next part is forgive us our debts or trespasses or sins, depending on what translation you've got. Don't you like this, that you've gone through all this process of worshipping and praising God, of bringing your requests to him, of declaring his will done. And it's almost like one of the last things is actually coming and dealing with sin. Have you ever wondered why? Like, we put that first, right? We put this, you know, I've got to deal with the sins at the top. God says, no, you don't. You can bring your requests first. You see, because he wants us to not see ourselves in the context of our sin. And when Jesus died and rose again, he already forgave that sin. He already gave us the forgiveness. And when we come to this part, we're receiving our forgiveness. We're changing our context away from seeing ourselves as a sinner by going through the process of thanksgiving and praise, of bringing our requests. We actually start to see ourselves as God sees us. And then our sin is easily removed. And the next part is just as important, is to forgive those who have wronged us. And she says that. Forgive us as we forgive. If we hold on to things against other people, we actually block God being able to bring forgiveness into our life. Because we start to see ourselves in the context of what others have done to us. And he doesn't want you to see it that way. He wants you to see yourself. Now sometimes that's an ongoing process. You know, I've been there, God. I've forgiven that person. I need to do it again. I need to do it again. Because he's bringing healing through our life. It's like when there's a, you know, a wound and you put a band-aid on it. Sometimes you've got to take the band-aid off and put a new one on. Because it gets yucky. That's what forgiveness is like. Sometimes you've got to keep forgiving somebody and dig down deeper and deal with deeper stuff. Sometimes it's not. It takes one band-aid and it's all good. But he forgives us. He's already given forgiveness. What we're doing is we're receiving his forgiveness. When we forgive others, we're receiving his forgiveness and extending that to them. As long as we don't forgive somebody, we see ourselves in the context of what they've done to us and we limit who we are. By forgiving, we actually set ourselves free. Yeah? Lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In other words, God... Don't let me follow my own natural fleshly desires. Holy Spirit, when I start going down the wrong path, let me know. Yongi Cho, he says he describes the Holy Spirit as his senior partner. And that's how we have to see Holy Spirit in our lives, that he is our senior pastor, he, senior pastor and our senior partner. He is our senior guide. He's the one that leads us. And we're saying, Holy Spirit, give me a prompt when I'm going down the wrong path, when I'm heading towards temptation I can't handle, when I was going into things that are getting too big for me, give me that prompt so I can change my path. I find it really helpful in that situation to actually 
put on the armour of God. It says, Paul says, put on the armour of God regularly. Do it daily. I say do it more than daily if you have to. Because when you put on the armour of God, it's not just going, I'm oh, putting on a helmet, I'm putting on a... It's, I'm putting on salvation. Because the helmet of salvation is, I'm putting on salvation, I'm saved. I'm putting on the breastplate of righteousness because I am righteous. I am right with God, it's who I am. And see, when you start to put on the armour of God, you start to change how you see yourself. That I am saved, I am righteous. Like Dar was talking before about, you know, we are perfect because we have Jesus within us. And he is perfect. We've died to our old self and we're alive in Christ. Yes, we need to wash our feet occasionally because we get a bit muddy. But we are righteous. And when you hit that point where temptation's coming, Holy Spirit prompts at you. Change your path. Change your thinking. Because the battlefield is in your mind. We're transformed and renewed by the renewing of our mind. That's why we put the helmet of salvation on, because we are saved, we are clean, we are washed. The breastplate, we are righteous, we are right before God. So we can turn away from sin. Hebrews says, you know, that we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. And they're up there cheering us on, encouraging us, interceding for us, going, you can do this. And he goes on in that verse to say that, you know, the sin that easily ensnares us, to put it aside. And that's what the cloud of witness is doing. It's like when you start to see verses like that and you start to think like that, when temptation and sin comes your way, it's like, well, you know, if you're by yourself or if you're in a situation where, you know, no one can see it or whatever's happening or whatever the, the sin is, you know, I'm getting angry or I'm getting it. It's like, hold on, I've got the cloud of witnesses around me and I wouldn't behave like this in front of somebody that I, you know, honoured and, and was important to me. Yeah? So it's like, well, I've got the whole cloud of witnesses around me, so I'm not alone. So therefore, I don't want to step into that sin of anger or whatever it is that, that holds you. I can put that aside because I wouldn't behave like that in front of other people. Yeah? And he says, when we do that, then we can run the race. So put aside our sin. Allow Holy Spirit to prompt you when you're stepping into that to change your path. Put on the helmet of salvation, your breastplate of righteousness so you know who you are. And that ends with praise again. Yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen means it's so. So when you get up from what we're doing, it's, it's so, it's done. So I act like what I've prayed is already done. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to hold on to it anymore. It's done. Now I know sometimes when we talk about prayer, we think about prayer, we go, oh, that can be a little boring. Oh, that can be really hard work. Oh, prayer can be difficult. Then if that's the case, you're probably not praying right. Because you see, if you start with that encounter with God, you start by stepping into his presence and worshipping and praising and pushing through into that thanksgiving, into his course with praise, and you step into heaven, things are no longer boring. 
If you're finding it boring and difficult, then you're praying from down here up. And that can be hard. But when you start with that thanksgiving and prayers and you step into heaven and you're face to face at the throne of God, you're in his courts of government, then you can pray with power because it changes where you pray from because it changes how you see yourself. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is the most life-changing thing you can probably do. And yet it's the thing that we struggle the most with. Do you think there's maybe something in that? Yeah? When you add in tongues, you don't want to pray and you just start praying in tongues. You start to step, peak, speak the language of God. Mysteries that you didn't even know. And you start to change the world around you. You know, Yongi Cho, pastor of the largest church in the world, spends three hours a day in prayer every day. Do you think that's a coincidence? Martin Luther says, he says, the more work I've got to do, the more time I've got to spend in prayer. Prayer is the life changer. If you're not happy with your circumstance, how's your prayer life? If you're not happy with where you're at and what's happening in your life, how's your prayer life? Have we built the discipline of prayer? And not praying from down here, trying to reach out to heaven, but actually stepping into heaven with him through thanksgiving and praise. And then praying from that position of strength as Holy Spirit leads us. And bringing that transforming power into the world around us. God's good. He's given us the power and he's equipped us to do amazing things. How's your prayer life? We're always too busy chasing after so many things in this world that we forget about the power behind it, which is the prayer that brings God into our life. Let's finish with prayer, shall we? Father, we want to thank you that you are a good God. We want to thank you for the many blessings that you have poured out upon us. We want to praise you that you are the creator, that you are the beginning and the end. Lord, everything is in your hands, that nothing is impossible for you. So, Father, I pray over every person here, Father, that we will know the life of prayer, we will know the power of prayer. Lord, we'll see breakthrough as we pray. that the visions and the purpose that you've placed within each one of us, Lord, will rise up, that will become part of our prayer life. And what we do, that we become all that you made us to be, that you be glorified through our lives. We bless you and we honour you. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Amen.